It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday morning, everybody, and welcome into the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane, Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, and Ben McKee on with us here this week. If you're suffering from spring allergies like many of us are, then Go ahead and check out Smoky Mountain Organics, ECMC's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. Visit one of the three locations in East Tennessee. They have one right here in Knoxville. It's at 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Trader Joe's. And, of course, you can always shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Big shout-out to them. Hey, guys, don't forget to like and subscribe uh, to the YouTube page, VolQuest YouTube page, when we post an interview, a story, whatever you got on there, a podcast, uh, you guys will be notified at there. So subscribe and follow the the uh, VolQuest YouTube page as always. Gentlemen, we've got a loaded bank of questions to get into today. We'll go ahead and start with Smoky Man 15. And Brent, we'll go ahead and start with you. What's it like being around Hypel, both from a media perspective and a player perspective? Well, I can't speak for a player. I think the players like Josh Hypel because I think he um, – uh, and Robin Ben can can attest to this too. I think you talk to enough players, they feel like he's very real and that he's very genuine. Um, there's some transparency there, and that there's a little bit more than just football twenty four seven in a conversation with Josh Heupel. In terms of my personal dealings with him, uh, you know, I find him personable, and uh, I, I think he's um, getting more and more comfortable with kind of the media spotlight here. Um, I, I think that he understands kind of the, the scrutiny that comes with it. And, and Rob, let's face it, he, he's had a honeymoon to this point, right? I mean, last year was, hey, they scored a bunch of points. It was great. Um, you know, you never know how things change if you don't win when, when the expectation is really there to, to, to really win. Uh, but, but to this point, I, I think he's been easy to deal with. But I, I didn't have an issue dealing with Derek Dooley. I didn't have an issue dealing with Butch Jones. Um, I didn't know, I mean, Lane Kiffin wasn't, he was here a hot minute, so you didn't really get to know Lane Kiffin while he was here. Um, and, and I didn't have issues with Jeremy Pruitt. He and I had a couple, we got crossways a couple times early on when he was here. Uh, but he was more than willing to sit down and, and hash it out and have a conversation. And some of it we agreed to disagree on and, and all that type of thing. But, you know, I think Josh is probably more. I don't know. Laid back's not the right word because he's a he's a big time competitor. But I think he's a little more personable than some of the other guys have been in the in the last previous stops. And Rob Lord knows we've had enough to get to know over the course of the last decade or so. However, I just he's just so much more comfortable in his own skin. I, I, is is how I would describe it. And and I and I and this may be oversimplifying things, but I I, th- I think a lot of it comes from the fact that he played quarterback at a big time football program and is used to scrutiny. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, I mean, there's more scrutiny as the head coach at, at Tennessee than there was being the quarterback at Oklahoma in 2001, 20 years ago, before Twitter, before Facebook, before all this stuff. But I, I just think he comes into this so much more prepared than any of the other guys you just mentioned. Well, and, I mean, I mean, I just, I just, I think Butch Jones was looking for enemies everywhere. I mean, when things were going great, Butch Jones was a, was the best guy you could ever deal with. When things were going bad, you didn't want to be in a foxhole with him. Yeah, I mean, I just think, yeah, I think outside noise bothered Butch Jones more than any other coach. 
you know, um, there were times Derek Dooley just thought he was smarter than everybody else. And, and Jeremy Pruitt, Ben was just ill prepared to be a head coach. Um, he wasn't ready. And you can say that's Nick Saban's fault or I, I don't know, whatever. But, but the fact of the matter is from a football standpoint, Jeremy Pruitt knows football and he knows football well, but he knew nothing about how to run a program. And, and I think that w- that was evident. Josh Heupel knows football, but also understands and continues to grow and understand the aspect of beyond the X's and O's. It's beyond drawing ball players up when you're a head coach, Ben. Yeah, and I'll, I'll sum it up quickly because I think you all have hit the nail on the head. And I have to give credit to Jason Swain uh, for this point, but he he's kind of maintained since Josh Heupel got hired that Heupel's the, the most proven head coach that Tennessee has hired since Johnny Majors, uh, more so than Philip Fulmer and Lane. I, I guess maybe Lane would be the the one that you could have a, a conversation about, whether he was more proven than Heupel. But uh, Lane had not been a successful head coach uh, up until that point necessarily. And uh, Josh Heupel certainly has a better track record than Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, uh, Jeremy Pruitt when, when they were hired. So I, I, I point that out to bring up the thought that I, I think that that has been obvious when you look at how Josh Heupel goes about his business and handles different situations is that he he's kind of been through the ringer and he knows what to expect and he's very comfortable in his own skin as as Rob pointed out and comfortable in what his offense is doing and and comfortable with the culture and I, I think that kind of bleeds over into how he deals with people both football wise and away from the football field yeah I mean there are going to be questions that he will not answer in a press conference setting he'll get up there and talk for 20 minutes and not say anything I mean that's that's you know that's coach talk that's 101 uh, but he's getting more comfortable in my opinion in that setting and he's just really personal this is just something minor but being out there covering these camps you know just walking up saying hey what's going on over baseball hey what's you know what happened in that seventh inning I mean those are just little examples here in the last couple of times we've been over there to where uh, he just seems like one of the guys so uh, one other one here from Spokeman 15, and we won't spend too much time on it, Brent, because you answered it. I, I gave my thoughts on it as well, may- maybe a couple weeks ago, but anybody else can add to it. What do you expect to see differently pertaining to the offense this fall? I think short yardage, uh, a different strategy there. Brent, I think you said maybe utilizing more of the middle of the field. Um, anything else that sticks out to you guys about the offense that we expect to see maybe a little bit differently this year? Well, I think that, you know, how does the growth of the quarterback run game um, you know, now that you know exactly what you've got with Hendon Hooker, how do you how do you spend an entire offseason kind of putting a quarterback run game package together? Obviously, he's got to slide and take care of himself, but that's a big part of his game. How does that evolve? Um, I, I think with him banged up for, for the, the, the stretch of the season, he was banged up there. They were pretty limited in how much they ran him. I think that, that affected the offense a little bit there. Um, and, and then, you know, what, what do they do at, at the tight end position? Um, you know, you, is there a third tight end and, and what do they do if they get banged up a little bit at tight end? Do they become even more spread with receivers? Um, that type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for this team is short yarded situations, whether it's in the red zone, yeah. um, and, or, or whether it's in just, you know, third and one somewhere they've got to, they've got to score more touchdowns and not settle for field goals in the red zone. They need to be a better red zone team when the field shrinks. You know, that this offense has to find some ways to, to score points um, other than the 70-yard touchdown bomb. And that's good. Explosive plays are good um, because he, Tennessee had 20 
I want to say 22, 23, maybe I'm off by one or two plays of 40 yards or more last year. And Tennessee had two such plays in 2021. So explosive plays are great, but I couldn't agree more. You got to find ways to punch it in or to, to convert, to get the line to gain in those type of situations. Uh, we'll go on now to Volgrado 5. Uh, ben, should we all be trying to like recruits' Twitter posts that you guys or the official VolQuest account retweet? Is there any real effect if a player sees that they have thousands of likes on their pro UT posts versus 49 likes on their pro UK posts? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's like it doesn't hurt, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, kids nowadays love the social media love. There, there's no doubt about that, but it, it's, it's not going to be the difference maker between Tennessee getting a kid and, and not getting a kid. Maybe there's one rare occasion that, that it is the difference, uh, for a player, uh, just like the, the player that decided to go to Auburn a, a couple of years ago, because they, they had a Chick-fil-A on campus or, or something along those, those lines. They had his favorite fast food restaurant on campus. Like th- those kind of kids are an outlier. So maybe there's one every, every now and then, but, uh, I, I do most of the, the retweeting of recruits onto the VolQuest account. And, and that's more just to not necessarily for, for people to like them or retweet or reach out to that recruit, but just to kind of show that, Hey, this kid was here today, or th- this kid had this to say about Tennessee. It's just, it, it's a, it's a form of news and it certainly pertains to recruiting. And we, we cover recruiting in depth as it gets at VolQuest. So that's mostly why I do retweet the, the recruits from the VolQuest account, just, just so that everybody sees that, okay, this kid was on campus today. This kid's posting about his official visit, so on and so forth. All right, we'll move on here to ask. We'll run a couple of uh, recruiting questions we'll run through here. Rob, what did you think of UT trusting Mazel not to drop the Crystal Championship football in his video edit for Twitter? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, they put that out there as a prop, and a lot of kids have been posing with it. I, Brent, guys, y'all have been doing this longer than we have, obviously, but I, I don't remember seeing that trophy out there in, in summers past. And I, and I, I feel nervous even when I see the hover, when I see the, the 20 20- – five-year-old picture of philip holding so up <laughs> high up in the air i'm like coach that's you know i don't really feel like your grip you know hug it hug it don't, 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 don't up hey, there so much. and they brought it by the radio station a time or two and that thing's huge i mean it's it, it looks pretty yeah, heavy I, well. I don't i don't i don't know about you guys i don't feel comfortable with the recruits holding that thing up there i mean i i've never i've never i've not i've not felt good not mazelle Specifically, no, any recruit, anybody. I, 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 it all feels a little willy nilly to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll say this for, for Tennessee's photo department, creative services department. I think they have gotten better and improved uh, what they're doing with their photo shoots. They've, they've moved that into a different room. They've got more space. They're doing more stuff with lighting. They're enhancing those. Uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here in the previous question talking about likes and Twitter and all that stuff and whether that's important or not important. It's pretty crazy how important the photo shoot has become in the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a big deal if a kid doesn't get to do a photo shoot. I mean, that's a real – that can be a real turnoff to a kid. And, and it's even a big deal if they don't get to do it in the jersey that they wanted to do it in. And somebody else did. did I mean, you know what I mean? So um, – as little as it sounds, I mean, it does make a difference in some cases. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy that that that's a new, you know, it used to be about Rob. What what the you know how much did they get lobster on the on the meal on their Friday night visit? <laughs> was or, there a diving board? 
Right, was but it, with was Randy it, was, or or at Notre Dame was there a waffle maker versus a pancake machine at, at Notre Dame for Randy <laughs> Walsh for Randy Walsh? But uh, it, it's crazy that the 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 photo part's a big deal. I mean, doing a big doing a photo shoot's a big deal for for kids. Uh, and Tennessee's creative department has upped their game, whether it's props or lighting or, or just kind of style that they do. Though they're they're they have done a good job of that over the course. Well, since Heupel's been here, that's an area they've really improved from year one to year two. I'm just glad they could bring the trophy back out from the, the storage closet that, that was rooming with Harry Potter. Is that, is that the trophy? Hubbard, surely there's, there's a replica. That's what I was thinking. Oh, there's yeah. a plastic replica. Yeah. I, I don't think that was plastic, but I'm sure there's a replica of, of, of some kind. I, I don't, I, I'm, I've not been upstairs to the trophy case. Um, Next to Milligan's, what used to be Milligan's Island up there at the top, where, where Kim Milligan, hung, where Milligan, Kim Milligan, uh, former secretary, hung out and and worked. Um, so I don't know if that's a duplicate or replica or not. I I, I need to do some investigative work and, and on Hub, that. Hubbard, I was what this is. This is not perfect, but I I was wanting to work this in, and I I don't know if they'll listen to the podcast or not. But since you mentioned trophy case, I saw Danny Burnley and David Elliott's name on a golf scramble scorecard this week that they were part of a 59. Well, I mean, D- David, 18 Ellie, holes. You, David, you want to talk about some sandbagging uh, trophy I mean, grabbing. That's a, that's a individuals. High that's almost over par for David Elliott group. Now at, I, I've at, played at in 59. Hey, I played in enough scrambles where I said, I knew you're in trouble. I knew I was in trouble when David Elliott walked in uh, with his scramble group and there were like, a semi-pro female golfer yeah, I, who was going to who was going to handle all the tee shots from the women's tee. I don't want to mention that I came in. This was like the day after. I wasn't a part of the scramble. I just saw the scorecards, the scoreboard, and I saw Danny Burnley and David Elliott and 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 two other just you know just people along for the ride, <laughs> and, and a fifty nine. And they, I'm, I'm sure they picked. You know, there's no there's no telling what kind of pro shop credits were in the wake <laughs> of that. It just just a lot of victims. I just wanted. All right, a couple more here from Athron. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the running back Stallings from Vegas? That's Will Stallings, more of a power back, big back with speed, bowling ball type back. I mean, he's. I can take this one. I saw him camp. Uh, you know, I guess it was uh, last week, maybe two weeks ago. I um, mean, he's a good looking guy. Um, he's very built. Um, I wouldn't characterize him as a bowling ball. He's about six foot, almost six foot one, um, two hundred twenty two, two hundred twenty three pounds. Uh, you know, I watched him go through drills. I thought he was a little stiff. I mean, it wasn't horrible. Um, but he was a little stiff, you know, a little, uh, very, very stiff up top, but he ran a four, six. Um, you know, I think the second time he ran a high four, six, so he's not going to be a burner by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a guy that Tennessee wanted to see Tennessee saw enough in, and, you know, as a guy that's got some momentum here when we talk running backs in this class. So, but it's Will Stallings from, uh, Bishop Gorman, um, high school in Vegas is who uh, you're referencing. Brents, do you think Kentucky got bad news on Conyer and told the Kentucky writer, which is why the crystal ball Conyer to UT here recently, they seem confident up until then. I just think it's, you know, stayed kind of the, the same case. AP said that Tennessee's been in a good spot for Conyer for, for months now, right? Yeah, and I think Tennessee's been in a good spot there. Maybe the fact that he flashed the ball sign with a Kentucky recruiting coach in his photo shoot might have been a tip-off to some people yeah, so. uh, that, that Kentucky might not be the leader for him at that point. I, I don't think Christian Conyers told anybody anything in terms of destination. Um, 
but you know that that's one of those deals that they're probably the vibe coming out of that was Kentucky's not in front as, as some previous Kentucky people had implied, which obviously Austin has disagreed with the whole time. So I think Tennessee remains poised in, in a good spot with Christian Kinder, and he's scheduled to do something uh, in the month of July. So I, I think Tennessee's positioned themselves well there. How quickly he's, he's here, is the, gonna, how how quickly is correct. the Kentucky coach is going to tweet we just, Rob? We just, we just get it correct. Can we get a correct a an correct. AP correct? Correct. Uh, correct. As they, they, AP just texted me. Correct. So there we go. <laughs> correct. All right. Sam Smith, 2233. Ben, has there ever been a coach more disliked by his peers and media than Tony V? And of course, you guys, Rob and Brent, could maybe add on to this. Yeah. Brent and Rob can probably answer it better than me. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't been around as long as the, those old guys, but. Uh, wow. I, I off the top of the head, I mean, Tony's got to be up there. there. There aren't many head coaches in the SEC that, that like him. Uh, if there's any, I mean, you thought Dave Van Horn was, was one of his allies, but that that quickly went away last year when when he and Tony got into it after the game, when Arkansas came to town. Tim Corbin, I, I don't think there's many happy feelings there. I, I know South Carolina's not big fans of uh, old Tony. Missouri's but they not big fans, him, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Him. I mean, yeah. how how could you not respect mm-hmm. what Tony has done with what was one of the worst baseball programs in the country, and now he's turned it into a, a powerhouse? And as somebody put it to me earlier this week, everybody sure is happy that they lost earlier this week, but these top transfers in the portal still want to come to Tennessee. So that tells you really all you need to know. So it it, it is certainly up there. Um, and, and the funny part is that Tony Vitello could not give one crap what the, the rest of his uh, compadres think of, of him. So uh, I would say that he's certainly up there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a football coach or two that uh, folks do not like, but Tony Vitello is, is not well liked by his peers for his actions on the, the field and, and just how fiery he is. And, and he, quite frankly, does not care. You know, I, uh, Hubbard, easy but, answer. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead Tony, Tony does not go to Destin because when the season's there, but if he did, he'd have way more dinner partners than Bruce Pearl. What do you think? Uh, um, yeah, I'd say that's probably right. I mean, I, I would, I would say that that's probably the, the case. Here's the interesting thing about Tony. Uh, and I think Pearl is, you know, a little bit into this category as well. I, I don't think Tony is disliked by the media particularly the national media. Now, I think there are some beat writers that cover other SEC teams that that, that don't like Tony, but because they hear they're the team that they're covered, that they don't like Tony, so it kind of bleeds that way a little bit. But, but I don't think Kendall Rogers and these national people dislike Tony. I think the national media that were taking jabs at Tennessee for not winning the super regional. We're doing it because of the Tennessee fan base and the issue they've had with the Tennessee fan base going back to Shiano gate more so than it was. They don't like Tony Vitello. And I know, I know Paul Feinbaum said something. I don't think Paul Feinbaum's ever met Tony Vitello uh, knows anything about Tony Vitello, but, but from a national standpoint, me uh, Ben, I, I don't, I don't think Tony's reputation is, is anything negative in any way maybe i'm maybe i'm missing that but i I don't see it that way no i don't think you are i I think that is a a spot-on analysis and i I think especially what you said about the other beat writers in the sec and what they may hear 
from the coaches that they cover bleeds over into the things that they say publicly about Tony Vitello. But I, I, I think that the dislike for, for this year's baseball team was more about the power T on the cap than necessarily Tony Vitello on the field. People just do not like Tennessee when, when things are going well, because the fans let them hear, hear, hear about it when, when things are going well. And, and then you obviously had some examples here and there of uh, the players and, and coaches being a, a little extra fiery more so than you typically see these days. All right, guys, let's go around the room. Uh, Rob, let's start with you. Who has the better year? Is it Byron Young or Tyler Barron? Maybe why? And, and, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that I think Tyler Barron is going to have a bad year. I just I, – I think we've all looked at Byron Young since spring practice a year ago and, and been like, man, that guy looks like he shot out of a cannon. And I, I just wonder, you know, what he can be like with – kind of two all seasons in an SEC program. I mean, he's just, he just got the quick twitch that, that you can't teach, you can't coach. I think Tyler Barron's playing in position now, uh, more so than what he has so far being at Tennessee. I would say BY as well. Brent, who you got in this one? I got BY, and, and I didn't have to think twice about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a knock on Tyler Barron. I think the biggest question with Tyler Barron is Durability. Can, can, he, can he stay healthy? I mean, yeah. you know, he's he has a hard time getting through games. And so uh, I just – I think that from a production standpoint, uh, I think Byron Young is a guy that offenses are going to be worried about uh, much more than Tyler Barron. Clean sweep for me. I'm going BY, and you all summed it up perfectly. Tyler Barron just has to to be more consistent. It's mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. All right, how has Jawan Mitchell done this offseason? Uh, Brent, you can add some more to this if you like, but, I mean, you hear good things, right? Saw him out there. He was doing workouts when we were out there covering a camp the other day. Looks good. Um, of course, he was out there doing everything in practice, wearing a yellow jersey, so he wasn't in contact. But you're hearing good things from Juwan Mitchell, and if you can get anything from Juwan Mitchell, um, that's that's a good thing for that linebacking room, right? Yeah, I just got to see it once they get into yeah. fall camp and, and just see. I mean, where, where's he at mentally? Where, where's he at from a, a focus and buy-in standpoint? You know, can he stay healthy, obviously? Much better um, than from the fall, you know, though, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's in a much better place than he was in the fall. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I, I just think there's a lot of prove it in, in Jawan Mitchell to this point. So we'll, we'll see what he does in August. And then, Rob Lewis, what would be your dream basketball home and home to cover? Uh, well, I got to go to Kansas. Uh, man, that's a good question. I've been to Kansas. I've been to North Carolina. I guess, you know, Duke. I guess I would have to take cover with me. No, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't think that. I mean, in turn, again, there's not a ton of basketball meccas. I mean, you know, there is, but they played in much many of those. I mean, Madison Square Garden, you know, the 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 history of the garden there. Um, uh, you know, in terms of on campus facilities, I mean, you got Rupp Arena. You know, yeah, you got, there's, you, no you one, get, there's not a bunch that they've not been to. Yeah, they're just they've been to a lot of you places go every year. I mean, I don't know that you want to go to Gonzaga. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't think that's anything that's wowing anybody. So, no, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's a bucket list dream one, if you will, Eric. Yeah, let's go. Uh, we, we're running out of time here, so let's continue to move on. First impressions of the summer arrivals. Um, heard good things, obviously, in the spring. Seen a couple of those guys out there, Brent. I thought, I think um, that Dylan Sampson looks good. Heard a lot of good things about Jason Jenkins. As AP, you know, kind of put up there, it looks like Squirrel White's continuing to gain some weights. 
Um, you know, as more and more of these summer guys continue to get in, we get eyes on them, we'll know more. But uh, a couple of those, you know, Samson's the one that I've seen the most of out there a couple of times. I also saw Messiah Reddick, big guy, and he's going to benefit from being in the strength and conditioning program as well. Yeah, I mean, I just think that you're, you know, you, you got to be careful with first impressions. I mean, I, yeah. that very few show up way out of shape or anything like that. Um, Dylan Sampson's a little bit bigger. Jenkins has gotten a lot bigger uh, since he committed to Tennessee. I think that's a positive sign. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what they look like and, and, and what kind of the vibe is on those. I'm, we're always, I'm always cautious about that because I've anointed enough people through the years as the next this or that, and they turned out to be nothing. Uh, Woody Quinn. Um, so I, I think at, <laughs> at this point, uh, I'll kind of give, uh, I'll kind of put up a little pause on that. And wait, and see what it looks like in a few more weeks. Joe Milton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, uh, certainly passes the eye test. Brent, let's stay with you real quick. July the first voting date in Nashville. Too late to get an art uh, to get architect hired and construction crew contracted with materials needed to break ground after next baseball season. No, I think they'll break ground after right after the season. I, I think that uh, as soon as Tennessee season's over next year, it'll it it'll, it might look like um, them tearing up the Augusta National at the end of the Masters. Um, I, I think you may see backhoes and all kinds of things roll in uh, fr from the get-go. I, I think there's no doubt in talking to Danny White that uh, his expectation and belief is, is that they will break ground and move, move dirt uh, this time of year from now on, on the baseball side of things. Ben McKee, uh, these are questions from Balls1024, uh, by the way. Will any updates be done this offseason in terms of Tennessee baseball, even if it's minor player development stuff? I know you're going to say yes to that. But real, real quickly, kind of explain the transfer portal situation with baseball throughout the summer. It, it's much different than football or basketball. Uh, it, it is very slow uh, compared to what football and, and basketball is. And, and that's in large part because a lot of these guys are going off and, and playing summer ball. Uh, I mean, as, as soon as the, the season was over on Sunday, you had Charlie Taylor and, and others going up to the Cape Cod, which is the, the premier, the best of the best uh, summer league baseball uh, for college baseball players that there is. And, and Tennessee had a couple of players go up there. Uh, Tennessee's got a couple of players out in California in, in a collegiate league. Uh, there's the Pacific Coast League, which is more in the southeast. Uh, so players all are all over the place. Maui Ahuna, Tennessee's commit from Kansas, he left his visit from Tennessee and went straight up to the Cape Cod. Uh, so it, it's not as easy to get these kids in uh, for, for visits and, and whatnot. So it is a, a lengthier process over the course of the summer, and it, it could go – all the way up until school starts in, in August. So it's a little bit different in that sense. And because you have more baseball players on a baseball team uh, than you do, and I guess this more so applies to basketball, uh, my point is that there are a lot of players in the transfer portal, already up to over 2,000 players in the transfer portal. So uh, that kind of makes it difficult as, as well at times. But when you are as successful as Tennessee, if, if you reach out to a kid, more likely than not, they are going to have automatic interest in you because you are the the hot thing in college baseball right now. And again, like I said earlier, uh, this this came from somebody in the program is that everybody's happy that we lost, but it's not stopping all of these top tier talents in the portal from wanting to come to Tennessee. So uh, Tennessee, not necessarily drafting players, uh, but there is a little bit of uh, hey, we want you and <laughs> you, you can practically get that kid if you show interest. Hey, real quick, Ben, two, two things. One, I think there is a chance they might do some more with the porches 
from a temporary standpoint in, mm-hmm. in terms of the offseason. Will they adjust the right field wall in any way, shape, or form? I know that's been discussed. Do you see anything temporary being done there? I don't. Um, okay. At least not in the immediate future. Okay. Maybe that's something that they do when they have they the, do the big the renovations. renovations. Uh, because, look, I mean, that it's a, it's a fair conversation to have. I know Tennessee has had its fair share of benefiting home runs from Lindsey Nelson Stadium. The home run to tie it against Notre Dame, the, the kid put a decent swing on it, but it wasn't a bad pitch from Chase Burns, and Tennessee just kind of got Lindsey Nelson stadiumed. So it would be hard not to want to p- push the fence a little bit back after having that happen to you. All right, just a couple of minutes left. We'll run through some recruits real quick, and hover. feel free to jump in if, if you uh, know more than I do on these. Uh, decision time, this is from Volunteers 52. Decision time frame for the following recruits. Stanton Rommel, he'll be on an official visit this weekend. Um, he's looking at uh, a later decision, maybe even in the fall. Christian Conyers, probably in July. Uh, Jeremiah Tlander, no timeline as of now. Jalen Smith, late June, early July. We had an update on him, of course, uh, from last weekend. Nathan Leacock, I don't believe that there's a timeline there. Brent, do you know anything on Shadavion Bradley or Rico Walker? I know they had some business to go. I don't think there's a timeline for sure on Rico Walker, probably end of summer. Uh, Shadavion Bradley, I think, is going to do something uh, in in July, 1st of August at the latest. And, and Jalen Smith, we'll see where that timeline goes. He's going to do something this summer. Could be a little sooner, or, or it might be a situation where um, he goes um, a little deeper in July. But I'm with you. I think you're looking at late June, 1st of July with him. Any linebacker recruits that uh, Tennessee's in on outside of C.J. Allen, you know, with T. Lander and Smith as well. Uh, Brent had a nice write-up on a junior college linebacker, Justin Jefferson. Also, Cameron Robinson's in that conversation. Let's go around the room here. Rob, will we finish better with an offensive line or a defensive line class? And i got to say defensive line right now. And it's just, you know, maybe they miss on a lot of these guys, but the dudes that have been on campus in the last you know, four to six weeks, really impressive. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but I'll, just, I'll say defensive line just because of, you know, we mentioned Shandavia Bradley, the junior college guys that have been here. I, I mean, I, I think Rodney Garner's doing some some heavy lifting over. Well, I mean, Rodney Garner's a veteran coach. I think this offensive line is going to be really interesting to see what takes shape coming out of the next couple of weekends, Eric, when you look at the official visitors that they've got coming in. Um, you know, we, we may have a much better feel for where this thing goes offensive line. If they hit on some of these guys coming in the next two or three weeks, that the, the there's going to be quite a bit of buzz about offensive line commitments at Tennessee. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I think it's uh, to be determined. My answer now would be defensive line, but you know, one big signing or one big commit could change the difference in that, of course. Uh, one more here for Ben. Uh, what do you believe in terms of the wide receiver class or the defensive back class? Which one will Tennessee finish better than? And again, one commit could change the whole outlook. Eric, did you just give Ben a, a wide open freeway and a defensive back question? <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're gonna that's need to my add, fault. We're, we're going to need to add 20 minutes uh, to, to this Zoom in order for me to cover the defensive backs because nobody covers defensive backs better than Ben McKee himself. But uh, I'm going to go wide receiver. Fluid hips. <laughs> fluid hips indeed i will add christian conyer he is announcing on july 3rd his decision but uh, i'm going to go receivers uh, obviously carnell tate the the big fish there and certainly think tennessee's in a in a great spot with carnell tate and uh, that will certainly swing if he does end up picking tennessee that will easily swing that answer uh in the receivers favors and it also seems like tennessee's more uh in the more and better spots for for 
more talented receivers than they are defensive backs. The the defensive backboard for me continues to be a little bit confusing. It's become a, a, a little more obvious of late, but not as straight and to the point as receivers, in my opinion. On award goes UT Sportsman 16. Better chance to contribute this season beyond special teams, freshman DB or freshman edge guy. That would be a freshman edge guy. That is literally all the time we have coming down to the final seconds here. A big shout out to Smoky Mountain Organics for sponsoring these podcasts, the Millbag Pod. Three locations in East Tennessee, including the location in Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Traders Joe's. For Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Ben McKee, I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for listening to the VolQuest Podcast, Mailbag Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.